0: We are shutting shit down, the podcast, tackling everything uninhibited with your hosts, Pastor Kwame and Pastor Miranda. Welcome to Shut Shit Down, talking everything uninhibited with your hosts, Kwame and Miranda. Welcome back for our second episode. We hope you enjoy the first episode and I'm hoping that there's a lot of definite chitter chatter and all that stuff in the comments. Just keep bringing them in there. Keep bringing comments, bring it up, share this podcast with like some of your church members or your your communities of faith. Um, Mm -hmm. If you don't know anything about shut shit down and why there's two pastors using foul language, uh, which may <laughs> happen by the way, disclaimer, there may be some foul language in here. We're not just cursing, just be yeah. cursing. Like that's just how passionate we are. Um, yeah. We were, we, we are, or were the host of Opposite Ends podcast, but we're now not at Opposite Ends, but we are still fighting for justice. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're here talking everything about everything from bad books to critical race theory. And critical yeah. race theory is where we are situated. We're continuing our dive into this book critical race theory. If you have not, visit your local bookstore, pick it up, order it off of Barnes and Noble. Yeah. If you got to do Amazon, do that too. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I think Miranda, I, maybe you, maybe you uh, definitely did this during seminary, but I know a lot of times when I had to get books for a seminary, I got them from Amazon because they were cheap.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, oh gosh. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: it's, and I was like, that- I can't even get into Jeff Bezos. That's another episode. <laughs> the joke
0: always was, oh, we should buy stock in, in Amazon. And I was like, nah, we'dn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. But <laughs> I want to pick up off, like I said, we're diving into uh, chapter two of critical race theory. And I wanted to dive in into something we talked about last week that Miranda brought up, um, which is racism in the church. Mm-hmm. Because one of the questions we had last week was like, Well, you know, if you're a person of color, do you see more racism if you're a white American? Do you see more racism or why do you think racism is a non-issue? And that's when Miranda was like, yeah, racism in the church. I was like, oh, that's what we're starting with next week. Because (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so let's Mm -hmm. just start there. So in in talking about this chapter there, talking about there's two different, there's two, there, there are two things that divide the issues among critical race theorists. So one Mm -hmm. camp is called idealists. They hold that racism and discrimination are matters of thinking, mental categorization, attitude, and discourse. Race is a social construction, not a biological reality, they reason. Hence, we may unmake it and deprive it much of its sting by changing the system of images, words, attitudes, unconscious feelings, scripts, and social teachings by which we convey to one another that certain people are less intelligent, unreliable, hardworking, virtuous, and American than others. And so there's this contrast in school, the realists, And they hold that although attitudes and words are important, racism is much more than a collection of unfavorable impressions of members of other groups. For realists, racism is a mean by which society allocates privilege and status. Racial hierarchies determine who gets the tangible benefits including best jobs, schools, invitations to party in people's homes. So let's talk about that because that's a lot. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, you know, when I read that and we're talking about racism in the church, I'm trying to figure out where I would follow a line in, in, in this aspect. Yeah. Because I know race is a social construction. It's a yeah. means by which people are suppressed and oppressed in various parts of society. And that includes faith communities. Now, you can't tell me that racism does not exist in our churches. Uh-uh. Although there will be people who will tell you that uh-huh. racism doesn't exist in our churches. So let me give a little story. I, um, we have, so Miranda and I are part of a denomination, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. And we had a couple of years ago the election of the first African American woman bishop. That's right. In the 22nd century, we finally elected the first African-American woman bishop, (laughs) synodical bishop, or for layman's terms, regional bishop. First time. okay. so there was a big celebration in her installation as bishop. And of course, it was a big, huge party. So all these people come together for a liturgical and worship type experience. I'm in my collar. I've grabbed my alb. For those of y'all don't know, clerical collars means no, I'm not a nun. <laughs> I've been I've been mistaken to be. Um, but mm-hmm. I wear Miranda and I wear the same collars that you see Catholic priests wear. So I had my collar on. I had my little my little garment bag with my alb and my stole. My stole that was from Cameroon. Walking in with two of my other colleagues were excited. and I'm, I'm just this is a great day. We have been
1: mm-hmm. so wonderful
0: about this. And I also because this is an elder, I chose to express myself in the ways of my people. So my face had tribal markings. Now, mm-hmm. I think it's important for people to realize that African-Americans here do not, a lot of them do not consider themselves to be American.
1: Mm-hmm
0: because of the racism that we have experienced and because we've been told point blank that we don't belong and we shouldn't even be breathing. yeah. So I decorated my face in tribal markings as close to what the tribe I thought that I came from or we descended from. I walked in, there's all this busyness. You, you've been at those installations and those ordinations, Miranda, you know how crazy it can get, it can be. Oh yeah. Oh (laughs) yeah. And so I walked up, this woman walked up to me, all smiles. She looked at me dead in my face and said, hello. And I said, hi. She goes, are you one of the dancers? (sighs) Now, clearly I, my collar, which is recognized by everybody. Right. Was, was clear. It wasn't like I had a scarf wrapped up or I was dressed I had on African garb, but my collar was clearly showing. Yeah. And I could feel myself get real angry and my whole face changed.
1: And Mm -hmm. I said,
0: No, I'm one of the pastors. Where is room for the pastors to get robed up? She saw she had made a mistake. And so she, you know, sort of shakily pointed me down the hall.
1: Mm -hmm. But this
0: is one of the ways in which we are not seen as leadership in the church. Yeah. I'll tell you another story real quickly. And then Miranda, I would love to hear your thoughts. During one of our national assemblies, so it's within any denomination, usually there's some type of, biannual, um, every so often, every couple of years, the national church will get together with all of their representatives and pass a whole bunch of stuff, okay, and do a whole bunch of work. During one, when they were talking about race and racism in the church, a pastor who clearly is not a European American, nor has any descendants from being from Denmark or Germany or Switzerland or anything of that matter, stood up and talked about how he had been approached during his time as being an intern um, into his first call. And that he was told the best way for him to get a good call or a good First call or first congregation? Ziffy acted more German than clearly <laughs> looking at him, realizing he was a Filipino American.
1: What the fuck? <laughs> I already I told I...
0: you that. No, I don't know if I. Hey, I've already said the disclaimer, so they know that. I don't know if I ever you told did. you. I don't know if I ever told you that story, Miranda. But yeah, no, you haven't. Yeah. So in front of an entire. Auditorium of people, he shares the story. Now, you would think, you would think, you would think that upon hearing that, our leadership in this denomination and others would be horrified so much so that they would try to go back and be like, well, we've got to rectify something because clearly
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that's racism right there. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But I haven't heard jack shit. Uh, about that and if we want to be more current for those of you all who are not aware there is a particular pastor in one of our synods or regions out in California who was ousted out of his congregation simply because he was a jerk to someone now the rules in our denomination is you don't get kicked off the roster for just being a jerk, <laughs> you know, uh, or oh, being a pastor. Huh? We,
1: know, we know many pastors that should have been defracted. Oh, yeah.
0: And but they, they're white
1: know. males and they're still here. They're still yep. serving. I-
0: and Reverend Nelson Revel is an Afro-Caribbean man. Yep. Apparently he was a jerk to somebody. And unfortunately, the bishop that had it out for him Is unfortunately a bishop, although they are trans, they are white. Mm -hmm. And this is what I'm talking about when I talk about racism in the church, Mm -hmm. because they chose their white privilege and power and position over doing the right thing. (sighs) So let's get at it. Idealist, realist. Miranda, what do you think about all this?
1: Yeah, I'd say most folks in our pews in our in our churches are idealists. I think um, they believe that when things like this happen, the stories you just told, Pastor Kwame, mm-hmm. I think that they think when these things happen, they are because someone is you know uneducated or. It, but we know especially as we're digging into critical race theory, we understand that race is more than just a personal, racism is more than a personal feeling. Racism is more than um, a misunderstanding, a lack of culture, a lack of context. Um, There are so many issues in the church. Um, I think, you know, the biggest things that have been in the media lately have been the child sex abuse scandals in the catholic church right. um but what's just as insidious is the racism are the ways that white people white men but white women too have been given the power and the and because of their privilege to make these decisions that if you know ri- there's so many things. <laughs> um, but when when someone has gone their whole life and has not had to check their privilege or confront the racism within, um, and then are put in positions of power, that's when we have these these issues. Um and so as far as racism in the church, I mean we can we can speak from our experiences. Pastor Crome, you've spoken of the the racism that you confront as a woman of African descent in one of the whitest denominations in the country. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I can speak as a white woman who, you know what, got through, got through internship, got through everything pretty well, not many issues. And it's not because I'm not competent. I think I'm a pretty decent pastor but it's an awesome because, pastor. <laughs> thank you pastor. But but it's you know I I know phenomenal pastors. One of our dear friends who it took her over a year and a half to find a call. And she is an African descent woman. Yeah. And also identifies as queer. And it's you know folks who say racism doesn't exist in our church are are purposefully blinding themselves. Uh, yeah, or purposely turning an eye and uh, and their ear away from the stories and the real life experiences.
0: Um, right. Yeah. We're we talking about our friend Kelsey Brown. Oh, we are our dear um, friend Kelsey. Shout out to Kelsey. You're awesome. You're Love amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing that this book brought out, which was, which again, I didn't know. You know, again, I, I know. Last episode, Miranda, you were talking about the fact that. You hadn't really picked up critical race theory until now. And I, quite frankly, until it became like national news, I didn't know it existed because like that's not mm-hmm. something we were taught in seminary. I was taught black yes. liberation theology. I was taught, taught womanist theology, but this never got brought up. So like mm-hmm. I've been sort of absorbing this and then everything. So one of the things that this brings up and this is they're talking about this um, was that whole part of the book that talked about Brown versus mm-hmm. Bohr. So like, like that, that was amazing. Like all of a sudden, all these protests about having equality and desegregation of our schools and suddenly it happens. Yeah. they So in 1954, however, the Supreme Court unexpectedly gave them everything they wanted. Why just then? Bell, Bell, we're talking about Derrick Bell, who was one of the early critical race theorists. Rebell hypothesized that the world and domestic considerations, not moral qualms over Black plight, precipitated the path-breaking decision. And I think we see this in the church. Mm. Because if this whole situation with Reverend Nelson Rebel had not come to light, it would have been pushed under the rug. But suddenly, because it was becoming a thing and because of all of the very public discourse about it, Suddenly, things are starting to happen. We're starting right. to address. But let's mm-hmm. talk about let's talk about the elephant in the room. Talking about having to address racism, and you know what elephant I'm talking about, Miranda? We're talking about Dylan Roof. Let's just be oh, real. Yeah. Oh yeah, let's
1: talk about that. For our listeners who aren't aware, Dylan Roof um, was a is a uh, white male, young male who came from the ELCA grew up Lutheran and shot and killed the Emmanuel nine, walked into a church, sat down with them in their study, was welcomed and then murdered them. Um, We as a denomination are great at our social statements, but obviously we are not doing enough to wrestle and to confront the real racism that is within our churches, within our people. Um, and that's why I, I I understand that many of my colleagues feel hesitant to address these things. Uh, I've heard from many of my fellow white colleagues, they don't want to risk their jobs. They don't want to risk their calls uh, to talk about these things. But I can't risk another Dylan roof being made
0: mm-hmm. yes.
1: on my watch. I cannot risk... More, more importantly, more Black lives being taken because of white Christian nationalism.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: And, I mean, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I,
0: I mean, like, if that hadn't been publicly known, I wonder would our denomination have taken the actual course that they did, which was publicly going to... Um, the African uh, Episcopal church and being Mm -hmm. at that that funeral service and making a commitment to them. that they were going to the AME's church, they were going to make a commitment to begin to combat racism. Right. But even as we talked about passing a resolution in our church to do worship and remember the lives of the Emmanuel nine. And I, yeah. Along with a couple of my colleagues brought that to the floor of our latest assembly that was back in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um so that's pre-pandemic. Um I remember um actually someone bringing up a question like and I don't remember what it what it was, but it was actually something it was a mistake in communication, but it really came out to be a white cisgender white man speaking about, well, why do we have to do this? and I'm concerned about this word libations. For those of you all who don't know what libations is, the word of libations is an important time when we bring into our sacred spaces, um, when we bring to our sacred spaces, our ancestors and creator um, before any major worship, before any major event, especially when we're talking about uplifting someone. And so because mm-hmm. he made this comment about libations, that set off a whole thing. And I, by, the t- by the time that discussion was over, I was angry. Yeah. I was livid. I was angry because I couldn't believe it. And the next day that cisgender white man pastor came up to me and apologized. He didn't understand. He was too and but here's the thing. He was too worried about tradition. Libations, mm-hmm. oh my God, we can't be worshiping ancestors. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you all who don't know what the right of libations is, it is not, we don't worship we do not worship our ancestors. We right. venerate.
1: We are we and so and it's like and ahead. how many fuck how many fucking Lutheran churches are named after Saints? <laughs> how is it different? If you are Saint John's, we, there's like 50 St. John's in our area, Saint Luke, Saint whatever. This ven but because it comes from a culture that is not Eurocentric, it is seen as whatever, inappropriate, whatever it is whatever it is and and it's it it goes back to that story you shared earlier Mm -hmm. about this this non-white man being told to act more german so that he could get a better first call yeah i mean that is such a common train of thought i am sure that is not unique to that individual oh no Um, we don't
0: we don't talk about that right we don't address uh, that right
1: we don't talk yeah. about
0: Bruno. We don't talk about, Rachel, we, don't <laughs> about <Rachel. laughs> we, don't, we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> well, y'all, there's a lot more to talk about, but we are running out of time. So I'm gonna oh. drop a I there, there's a lot like so. Mm. We're we're trying to do these in these these short sort of increments. But if you want further conversation, if you want the conversation to go longer, please <laughs> drop a comment in uh, a comment in the comment below here on our Facebook page. But I'm gonna leave this question, I'll post this question. If society okay. agreed to treat everyone, including people of color, exactly the same, would the conditions of communities of color improve very much? Again, in the mm-hmm. long or short work. So think about that question, and, and we'll delve into that question a little bit for next time. Um, but it's a lot. I think the whole purpose here is that racism is alive and well in our sacred spaces, and we've allowed the empire, yeah, to infect it. Yeah, we've allowed the empire to guide how we treat one another instead of following the one who calls us to love our neighbor regardless of who that neighbor looks or how they worship or whom they love or how they identify doesn't matter we've got a long way to go y'all amen amen and, <laughs> and that's why we call this shut shit down talking <laughs> everything and uninhibited we'll see y'all next week please check out our facebook page please check out our twitter account all the things keep it rolling keep it moving we'd love to hear from you as always peace peace this podcast is not your diversity experience rather It's a call for you to go and get uncomfortable. A call to action. Thanks for joining us for Shut Shit Down. We'll see you. Peace.